stereo. Inspiration. Hey, welcome back everyone. This is Unchained Inspiration. I am Reese 7 Today's link in the chain is titled, The Whether You Like It or Not. It is really interesting that when you look back on your life, there are so many unique characters that layer up and add to the fabric and, and richness of your days. And I just happened to get the opportunity to sit down with he used to be my former boss, and now I consider him a friend. And it was interesting, when I first met Chris, I really didn't think that we had a whole lot in common. He was a partier. He really had a fast-paced lifestyle that was very different from mine. And all of a sudden, things started to change for him. And he has morphed and kind of like just reinvented himself. And that's his skill. That is like what I find so incredible about this guy is he is constantly able to redefine himself, understand the value of his brand, and and just keeps striving forward without any hesitation. And he does it with such confidence. Chris, you're in studio today. I'm oh, super happy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Finally, we got to make this happen after weeks, days of picking a time. <laughs> it's terrible. I feel bad that I'm always kind of like throwing it out for invitations and then scheduling always like seems to not quite line up. You're a very busy guy. Actually, crazy busy. Actually, I'm, I always have something to go. I mean... My calendar is full, full. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I always find fr- time for friends. Uh, I, so appreciated. So the big thing for me in the last year, uh, being this art-focused person and recognizing that branding is a huge part. And uh, two years ago, if you would have talked to me about branding, I would have like wanted to vomit in your face because I never really understood the value of branding yourself. And now that I'm starting to like really get deeper into what I'm passionate about, I recognize that branding is actually one of the key key points that I need to focus on. So who better than to talk to you about branding? Yeah. Branding, especially in our community here in Medicine Hat, which is a great community. It's just, we're in the Southeast corner. We're segregated from everything, right? So you have to push to brand yourself, to promote yourself. doesn't matter if you're doing an art show or running a, a route or getting your car fixed. You they need to know your face and, and your name. It's not what you do. It's who you are type thing. I don't know if you're big into quotes, but I like quotes. And so a quote that I came across this last week was uh, from Mark Echo. So you are your brand, mm-hmm. whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. And then that quickly was below that quote was a quote from Jeff Bezos, the uh, CEO of Amazon there. Yep. Your brand is what other people say about you when you leave the room. Yeah, exactly. And that's so true. I mean, you want to leave that lasting impression that goes on, not necessarily forever, but throughout your lifetime at least type thing, right? Something that I just find a mess in hat. I really need, I like my brand. It promotes myself as a outgoing person, as somebody who is not scared to do something or somebody who's always willing to give a hand if you need either physically giving you a hand or you need to phone me up for some information or just, Hey Chris, who should I talk to about this type of things? I mean, and you want those constant interactions with people about everything, not just 
one single entity. It's incredible. I, I'm absolutely really awe-inspired at how plugged in you've become. Were you always this way and I just didn't know about it? Um, I've always been a busy person. I always have 10 million things on the go or not always on the go, but I always have ideas in the back of my head that I just haven't put into in, into motion yet type thing, right? So there's, I'm always busy. Like there's, there's always, I just, how am I say this? Back in my partier days, I still had ideas in my head. I just didn't do anything about them. They were always still there type thing, right? So, and finally, when I decided to promote myself and to get to where I am today, I had to leave that lifestyle behind a little bit. I mean, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I still party hard. I still, but I have to work twice as hard when I party hard. So. Right. Do you remember the, that moment in time that it was the catalyst that you really kind of decided to kind of put the partying in a in its proper context and actually start pursuing these ideas full term? I don't know if there's a specific moment. Just, you got to push yourself. You know I mean, sometimes you're pushing yourself just to take that extra block around, run around the block one extra time just to hit that kilometer or that taking the long way to the grocery store just so you can clear your mind a little bit more. I don't know if there's a specific moment. It's just, it all of a sudden just slowly kicks in. I don't think it's an overnight thing. It's a, it's a baby step process. Right. Yeah. Each step is so, so crucial in the journey. Yeah. You miss one, you're going to stumble. Yeah. But you mean, I've stumbled many times. You just got to pick yourself up, dust your knees off and get back out on your horse. So <laughs> stumbling is an incredibly painful thing. Oh, <laughs> and expensive sometimes too. But... <laughs> I, I, I always um, admire those that can like get up from a bad stumble. And I know that you've definitely had some hurdles in the last few years and you've always just, every time I see you, you've always got like a million dollar smile and a twinkle in your eye, no matter how crummy something's been going on. That's that's the old, always look for the silver lining of your day type thing, right? So it's not, you could have a million things go wrong, but your heart's still beating and your family and friends are still around you. So you still always have a, a positive there. How do you overcome those really hard things? Like, I know it's easy to say the silver lining, but like, can you break that down a little bit more? I just, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to look for a way out. You know what I mean? You got not, it's not going to be the easiest route always. You have to find the route that's going to get you to, from point A to point B. You know what I mean? It might be a jagged, it might be an up and down, but there's got to be a way to get to your happiness or to your goal. There, there always is a way. There is a way. You just have to figure out how to do it, right? So it might take a lot of thinking. It might take a lot of failures. But eventually, if you're steady and you work on it, you'll get there. So what was your, what was the one hurdle you were you were really questioning you would make? Have you ever had a hurdle that that was that monumental, or have you always kept it that in the horizon you're always going to be above? I'm always going to be above. <laughs> <laughs> I I never think I'm going to fail. I mean, I know I'm going to have failures, but I'm not going to absolutely fail type thing, right? So it's just positive thinking. Positive thinking goes a long way, right? So do you do any exercises mentally to condition yourself for positive thinking? I don't know if I do exercises much. I mean, I read every day. I mean, be it uh, autobiographies and autobiographies and that type of stuff. Before I go to bed, I put my phone down and we spend that 15 minutes before we close our eyes, just reading every night. And we found that's a big difference in our our sleeping and in our, our working of our brains and stuff like that it, it makes a big difference it really does people go to 
they flip through their phone till they go till they fall asleep and it's just your the brain's so active right so if just you're reading and eventually you just zone out and do you ever do you ever wonder how many miles someone scrolled with their thumb oh <laughs> that's a good question I've, I've, i know i've done lots but that's a lot. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I, I came across it. Uh, Maybe we should develop an app just to let people know how many miles it's <laughs> Burn your calories, uh, <laughs> add it to your Fitbit times mm -hmm. and, or your Fitbit steps. Here, you've done this many scrolls. Be, well that done. Might, that might be a good app, actually. It's like, you have. <laughs> It'd almost be scary because I know uh, with myself, with these smartphones, I get an update every week on how much screen time I've had. Yeah. And what's the worst part about my, my world is I've got my personal phone. Mm -hmm. I've got my actual work phone that yeah. I've got going on. And then we've got the actual television screens and computer screens that you're working behind as well. Yeah. So I feel that the scary number that I get on the update on the one phone for my screen time is it's scary enough, but I can't it's, it's, even imagine what it really is. Yeah. How much time you actually spend in front of electronics. It's, it's a large part of our lives now, right? From the moment we wake up and look at our phone to the moment we go to bed and put our phone down, it's, all day. First thing you do and last thing you do. What was, so I'm, I'm interested on the, you're spending 15 minutes of reading. Yeah. So did you kind of come up with just like that, that specific time number that was workable or uh, was it how long it would take you to read a chapter or two no, chapters? It's, 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 a, it's not, it's a non, it's, it's not a set in stone time. You know what I mean? Just a good guideline. It's a good guideline. I mean, you try reading a chapter, but it depends on the chapter or you try if the book's interesting, you're not falling asleep, you keep on reading. You know what I mean, or if it's, if it's a dry part of the book, you might only read for five, 10 minutes. And, yeah. and that's enough for that night, right? We've been trying to do something similar on our end as well, because I, I don't know, have you seen that uh, show on Netflix, Animal Kingdom? Yes. So we were laying there and we would often re watch television before bed. And I got into this habit when I was in university that I would watch television because I had no one else around and it was just the voices and the the sounds that I would always put it on an old movie that I've seen a hundred times before I could memor I've had every line memorized so when I was tired I'd close my eyes I'd listen to it and I'd fall asleep the bad habit came though that I kept that going and instead of you putting in old DVDs and movies to watch Netflix shows up so now we're binge watching all these amazing uh, shows and incredible stories. We come across Animal Kingdom and lots of hype on it, lots of uh, talk on it. And so we decided to look at it. We were about five or six episodes in. And I remember just kind of evaluating, why am I having such messed up dreams? That's probably a good part of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And I remember consciously thinking that like what I'm feeding my brain subconsciously before I go to sleep is influencing what I'm processing during my sleep time. And so I haven't got to the point of reading and I know reading's crucial. My mom is an avid reader before bed. It, I'm actually really surprised to hear that you're reading 15 minutes before bed. Yeah. I'm right now I'm on a big rock star biography, autobiography kicks right now. I'm reading the one about Mick Jagger. I just finished one about the doors. And before that was a, a Vince Neil one. So it's just, I don't know, just, they're living vicariously through their lifestyles, knowing that I'll never live that lifestyle. Would you want to? If you'd asked me that 15, 20 years ago, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, when I when you were my boss, yeah. I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that's what you were wanting. I was wanting, but nowadays, I love 
the outdoors nowadays more than anything more than than the rock star how i love being outdoors you know what i mean just going for a hike or going for a paddle down the river or or whatnot you know what i mean just being with Teresa or the dogs or whatever and just enjoying mother nature yeah uh it's funny that you brought up doors and mick jagger two of my favorites uh what was the part in the doors that really kind of surprised oh, you or kind of caught you was, off you I mean he's jim morrison wasn't a singer no no he was a poet yeah i mean he, yeah. he got put in that position and it worked the band played the music and he just he recited poetry for the most part right so and he was he he enjoyed it for a little bit but it wasn't his thing i mean even though he excelled at it it wasn't his calling in life wasn't being a rock star I can't help but think how tortured the guy was Be, being put in a, like being that r- round peg put in a square hole. Actually, um, Poncho has that book right now. I just finished reading it and I gave it oh, to him. Oh, excellent. He hasn't, he hasn't read that one yet. So I gave it to him to read. So. Oh, that's great. He's, uh, I really like sitting down and talking with Poncho. Yeah. We're hoping to get out there and do a couple motorcycle runs. Do you still have your motorbike? No, I sold mine. I just wasn't using it as much. When I got into the, started running like as much as I run nowadays, like this morning I ran a half marathon. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> just 21 and, and you look just like you just kind of got out of the shower Pretty and much. like all rested up. But I, when I started running, it just took away from riding the bike. I mean, I'm glad I had my, I still have my motorcycle license, but I, I, don't, I don't miss it right now. Maybe in another 10 years when my body starts falling apart, maybe I'll get a bike again and cruise the country that, that way. Yeah. Well, I know since I've been riding my bike, I haven't been cycling as much. And so I'm putting on the little bit of the middle that middle spread there. Yeah. And it's, I've got to really work on it. So we ended up cleaning up the front of our place and making sure that our bike, our bicycles are, so we could go cycling were accessible. And that was the problem before yeah. is they were shoved in a shed and you never looked at them. Yeah. Now the, now the motorbike's in the shed and it's a little harder to pull out. So yeah, it's a little out of sight, out of mind theory there, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, the book, uh, what, what caught you on the doors? Well, I've, I've always been a big, a big doors fan. I don't, and I don't know why. I mean, they're just in, after reading that book, there were so many albums or songs in their albums I've never listened to. I listened to their popular hits before. And nowadays, I'm listening to all the the rest of the album. And there's some really good songs on, yeah. that you just never heard of and you still don't hear of, right? That's the treasure about these older albums is it's not just the top 40 that get played. Mm-hmm. It's like it was only one song on yeah. the entire album yeah. that would usually make the radio cut yeah. and the rest were all these hidden gems yeah. the rolling stones have an incredible catalog oh my God. i know i'm i'm starting to get into them a lot more nowadays i saw the stones and floyd back when i was like 18 years old i don't remember it you I mean because it was so long ago like 30 years ago type thing yeah and i don't think i appreciated their music as much back then as i do now but there's i mean they've they've changed they've rebranded themselves so many times too right the Stones, Mick Jagger, I mean, he's a brand himself, right? And yep. they've, they've played rock and roll. They've played the blues. They've played, I mean, instrumental. They've played every type of music. Tons of fans all over the world, but it's because they've created a brand. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's funny because you grow up and, it, and when brands are done well, you don't even think of it. No. It's just, oh, that's who it is. Like, yeah. it's almost like they were born with it. <laughs> That's Scully trying to get into studio today, so <laughs> we might hear some banging. I tried to give him a bone to distract him. You know, coming up, I don't know how you felt coming up to the studio here, where we've got these antler sheds everywhere. And Sprinklers the, are on, so i got to tie my way into the house properly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and then you've got this big, giant dog just kind of 
out there gnawing on something. It's I know my neighbors walk by and they can't see that he's tethered to a cable. Yeah. And so they walk by and they think that he's just so well behaved and he won't <laughs> run off the deck. Well, fortunately, I've got this huge thick gauge cable <laughs> holding him there. Or he, every he'd be he'd be gone. He's so friendly. He wants to visit everyone. Our dogs are like that too. They we make sure we take them for their walk every day, and they still want to see everybody every day. So yeah, uh, my first exposure uh, to the Doors was that movie "Light My Fire" back with Val Kimmer. Yeah, Kilmer that, which is actually a really good movie. I, I think it's a good movie, right? Well, it it caught it yeah, really was... caught my imagination with him. I I didn't know much about him. I had heard the songs. But who hadn't heard yeah. the songs? Um, but I didn't know much of the backstory and to sit down and, and I was going to university at the time when I saw that movie and I was really developing an interest to video production at that point. So that really spoke to me because you got a group, the whole band is involved in filmmaking and storytelling and they decide to become a rock band. Um, it, it just kind of caught the imagination for me and it hooked me there. And when I lived in Europe, I actually went and had to go and see Jim Morrison's grave. Oh, cool. And if you ever get a chance to go to Pierre Lachasse Cemetery in Paris, it is, you feel like you're walking into like the thriller cemetery. Nice. Like it's these massive monuments and catacombs and you're walking throughout and you go and you kind of follow the crowd because he actually is the third largest tourist attraction in Paris and Paris. So it's the uh, leaning tower of Pisa number one, right? No, that's Italy. Italy. I mean, um, Eiffel tower. Yeah. Eiffel tower. The museum would be number two. The Louvre. And then it's Morrison. And what was really interesting, uh, the year I went to go and see Jim Morrison, uh, it was the year that he was to be exhumed because they basically rent the plots in that cemetery and then once the body's decomposed and everything they exhume the body and um put the remains wherever and so the plan was to exhume jim morrison and ship him back to florida where his family is and i thought i've got to jump on this so i went uh to go and check it out and i'm arriving at the cemetery and when i arrive in paris they decide to announce that they are not exhuming the body because of how how much of a, an attraction he is. Tourist attraction, yeah. So they've interred him there for the rest of time. And like Oscar Wilde is another guy that's in that cemetery. So I, it was really special that I'm like going and realizing that he, the legend lives on because like no one knows if he's like actually buried there. No, you're true. I mean, once I, the book I just read, no, there's no actual proof that he's buried there. You know what I mean? They just, <laughs> they just everybody says that, but no one knows for sure. Yeah, you've got a you've got a girlfriend that no longer is alive. Yeah, that was part of the funeral. The manager was over there for the funeral, but never had the foresight to ask to see inside the casket. Yeah. You've got the medical examiner that just simply wrote "heart stopped." Yeah, and whoever performed the autopsy. It, but no, oh, there was no autopsy. Oh, that's right. The autopsy came back with just the heart stopped and that was all there was to it. Mm-hmm. It was the, whoever was leading the service there and they had no interest in popping open the casket to confirm someone was there. And I know the books that I've read, they've often kind of said like, especially with Ray Manzarek, the keyboardist said, it could have been 140 pounds of sand in there for all we know. Yeah. And he was so interested in escaping and being that, like that roving poet artist that yeah, he wanted like a traveling gypsy almost he wanted to be you know what i mean he just wanted to be blend in with the crowd and do his own thing and just take it all in type stuff yeah he he really caught my imagination 
uh, on that. So uh, he's such a good person to talk about. He'll talk oh, I mean, about like legendary. Yeah, like the movie. The movie's really good. I don't know if it's how accurate it is, but it's super good. It's just that's what one of the things that. I still watch the movie one now and then or whatever, and it draws me more and more into the doors type thing, right? So, could you imagine living in that time when you've got like all these like really eccentric characters? Like, I think I've got eccentric characters in my life, but they are so mainstream and normal in my life compared to who is roving around his circle. Yeah, Medicine Hat's pretty square. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean that in a mean way or whatever, but we're a square community. I mean, things work this way for the last hundred years or we're going to continue doing them this way for the next hundred years type thing well and i don't know if they'll continue down the next hundred years exactly status quo because there's a lot of us younger guys that are moving up like not just guys but women as well uh the there's a younger generation that's moving up that really is wanting to push it and they're questioning a lot of like what our traditions are and why we're holding on to it so firmly that I'd like to believe that we're actually on the forefront of reinventing some of our stuff. Uh, no, I, I agree with you for that with that stuff for sure. I mean, I mean, it's we're at a changing of the guards almost right now. You could, yeah, you could say right because people that are fifty and older are not that they're stuck in their ways, but I mean they're this, this way they've done it. I mean, in the newer generation, younger than forty, they're I mean they're they're open to change. They want to do things what they feel is the right way for now. And it, it's something that should be kind of looked at every 20 years. Oh, for sure. And I feel like, unfortunately, and I shouldn't say unfortunately, we've got a, we've got a city that's really kind of produced a lot of amazing talent, mm-hmm. but we don't retain talent. No, no one stays here. No. It's, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you make it big, you don't stay in Medicine Hat. Is that the way you're saying it? I don't know. Yeah. It, it kind of is like there's opportunities elsewhere, but what I look at Medicine Hat as is the ultimate training ground because it goes back to that branding that we were just talking about. Yeah. If you can brand yourself and get yourself straight here, you probably can do it anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, if you can, if you can make, yeah, if you can make yourself a brand here, really, you could, you next step is you move on to Calgary, right? Or, and then you go from there, you go from the, to the Toronto or the Vancouver, then from there you go North America and then you keep, growing and growing if you do your brand right as big as you want to grow your brand too also right you may be maybe you're happy with your brand in medicine hat and that's as big as you want to be type thing right you, you really have to kind of do a lot of soul searching and like yeah. for myself i haven't fully come up with that answer and that's why this whole podcast is in play right now yeah we don't know yet either i mean we we're happy with our brand right now or know who we are like myself and Teresa, but you always want more it's hard not to want more you know what i mean do you do you give yourself like long term goals on where you want to be, or do you just? Oh yeah, I have long, long definitely. You I mean we we know where we're going to be in two years and where we plan on being in five years? You know what I mean? It, it might change, right? But we have a we don't have a set path how we're going to get there, but we we have a point in time we want to get to. How do you go about uh, setting your your goals? Something that inspires us. So what's what's inspiring you right now? We're going to do some major hiking, like some hiking for like six months straight. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> so that's one of our goals coming up is we're just going to take six months off of everything and go for a hike. Crazy. So in North America yeah, or, North, okay. North America. So <laughs> obviously not during the winter months, unless it's South. Um, well, we're thinking right now we're thinking about doing the Pacific Crest Trail. So you start in Mexico and you hike your way to Canada. Okay. 
that's uh 2500 miles so so how much would you be hiking every day uh, about 20 20 20 to 25 miles a day okay so like a marathon every day yeah <laughs> 40 pounds on your back type things so. oh yeah like oh my gosh i'm having a heart attack just thinking about it right now <laughs> it's, it's a goal of ours i mean we're not sure it's going to happen for sure but it's just one of those things we're thinking about Teresa really wants to do something like that where she has a memory that's I mean I have I've done some cool stuff in my life with the, the death race and running ultra marathons and all those kind of stuff, but she doesn't have anything like that. And she really wants to do something like that. So I'm I'm game. I'll do anything. Well I know that's what I find so great about you, uh, is the fact that you're always up for something. Oh yeah. It's it's you it's like you don't even know the word no anymore. No. Because Did you ever know that word? No. <laughs> Ask my parents. Probably not. <laughs> I'm not good with no. I mean, there's always got to be a way to find the yes. Sometimes you've got to make compromises. Some days you, you got to go the long way around to get your yes, but there shouldn't really be a no. I mean, unless it's illegal or something like that, but everything that's legal, you should be able to get a yes one way or another. Just got to figure out the path to get there. Right. Just need to approach it. Yeah. You got to figure out the right person to talk to or the right way to get there or what you else you have to sacrifice to get that. So the other area that I really am curious about, and I feel like I'm going to run out of time. So I'm actually going to rattle your chain right now. Okay. Um, networking. Strategies and tips on how to network outside of your own pool. Oh, you have to. It always starts with your own pool, though, because your people you talk to in your pool they're the ones that know people outside of other pools. I mean, because they interact with people in different pools necessary. And it's word of mouth, especially in a small community like this. I mean, word travels around. If I need something, I can phone up somebody and say, hey, who should I talk to about this? And they'll give me the name and usually I can get them to come fix my fridge right away or something's wrong with my sprinklers or, hey, I, I gotta, I'm got i running out of gas. Who do you know out by seven persons or something like that? Right, it's, it's, yeah. You gotta grow... Right, you got to expand the pool. Expand your pool, and you mean this is all treat people the way you want to be treated, right? Yeah, the golden rule. Yeah, it's it's so cliche, but it's there's so much power in it for and sure. I, and I don't know if I don't think the younger, younger generation necessarily understands that yet. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe I don't know if we did when we were twenty years old type thing. You know, I don't know if it's a conversation that most people actually have. No, I but I mean. Like they, they have it in a way that it's kind of like they tell you, like I remember my dad just telling me things, but not in a way that you felt like you could question it or ask for more from it and not nothing against the way my dad delivered it. Yeah. It's, I think it's just parents in general. I know a lot of like, if I need to really ask something, I usually don't go to my parents because I, I, I have the worry of disappointment weighing on it. See, and that's one of those things where you live in the same town as your parents, where it's, so mm -hmm. it's, it's where my parents live up Vegreville, right? So they're five hours away. So I, for me to ask them for much is, I mean, I might pull them up for some information or a thought, but like physically they can't help me at all. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It, it definitely makes a difference. What was it like uh, in Vegreville growing up? Well, I was a farm boy, small town, <laughs> less than 5,000 people. Graduating class was the graduating class was thirty, so and those ones that I actually I didn't graduate so 
but you're just thriving. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a high school dropout. I just, I mean, I've since then I went back, got my GED, I went to college and took a bunch of courses. And but yeah, I just at that time it wasn't school wasn't for me. It's not for everybody, you know what I mean? So no, it's not, and uh, it's something I actually admire quite a bit. It's funny. I often joke that. So I've got a couple of degrees, yeah. and I don't usually talk about them because the people I find most interesting don't have that. Like I've got a brother-in-law who's fantastic and he doesn't even have grade six and super interesting. I I find, I find that uh, anyone that kind of just recognizes early on what they're interested in and what they need to pursue and honest with themselves. I think it's the honesty and transparency with yourself. The biggest one, those characters seem to be the ones that really are interesting to talk to. Yeah. Well, it's life experiences. I mean, you gain yep. more from a life experience than you do reading a book. In reality, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna not gain. You're gonna learn more from actually doing it than reading about it. So, since so you seem to be focused on biographies, yep. Have you ever thought that someone one day might write a biography about you? Well, I've always thought about writing my own biography, autobiography. I mean, I've I've started it a couple times and just shuffled it off. I mean, I've got a little bit done over the last hmm, 11, 12 years, I think. But So a friend of mine passed away a year or so ago with a brain tumor. Yep. And while he was dying and in hospice care, he wrote a memoir. That'd be tough, but cool. It was really cool. Like it actually, when I read it, it was the only book that's ever brought me to tears. Yep. And it, he did it so his family and his sons would have that legacy of who he was because they're not fully adults yet. And this mm-hmm. way they can go back and kind of see where their fathers come from and all of that. And legacy seems to be something that's creeping up more and more in my life. I think the older we get, the more you think about it. It's like, what am I leaving behind? Right. So Yeah. And I think that's the turning point too, where I know uh, the Nobel peace prize came from, I, um, I'm, I'm all lost for the first name, but Nobel um, was actually the guy that came up with gunpowder. And so... so, Ironic, isn't it? It is is ironic. And what happened is someone had printed his obituary by accident. He was still alive. So he got to read the obituary while he was living. And he basically was painted as the devil because he killed more people by that invention. And that's what that kind of... was the catalyst for him to come up with the peace prize and recognize and honor innovation, creativity, peace, all the good things in life to almost balance out. Hmm. That's actually, I might have to do some research on that. Cause that's, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting, right? It, I, I find it fascinating. Now, have you ever wondered what people would say about you for your obituary? Oh, there, you mean I have, I, I'm, I'm like everybody else. We all have our, our share of, I don't want to say haters, but naysayers maybe. You know what I mean? People that are either, they're upset with us for because of our success or je- jealous of us because of our success. And there's always going to be people, be people like that. I mean, I think I have more people supporting me than not supporting me. So I feel my obituary would be very, what's the word? Colorful. I think it would be a really interesting read, actually. Yeah, it would be colorful, and I think it'd be very. I promote a lot of hope and and happiness, and you know I mean that's why I try to bring out the best in people. I think so. Yeah. So my chain that I'm going to rattle with you, and is, can you write me an obituary for myself? Oh, 
<laughs> because I'm going to start, I'm actually really curious. And it came up with that quote of like, it's when you leave the room. What do they, what do what do they say? And so if anyone's listening, wants to write an obituary thinking that they know Reese Seven the best, I would love to read it. I'm, I'm really curious because it's what I might be focused on for my branding and the direction I'm going might not be uh, how the world's perceiving me. And it's just, it would be an interesting thing for me. I think that's a good idea. I think, I, I think I'm going to attempt it. It's probably going to take me a little while just to put thoughts to paper. Yeah, of course. But it's one of those things that it's a cool idea, I think. And it doesn't even have to be a consistent read. It could be if you end up with like just a paragraph or, or a point forms or whatever. Right. And just text it to me or whatever. Yeah. It would just be really interesting to kind of see where it's at. And yeah, just kind of it's a litmus test of where I'm at right now entering into my 40s. It's all downhill. No, it's not. Actually. Really? No. I was going to say, judging from you, it's actually no, all no. it's all uphill no, starting I mean, from here. I bet you I'm 47 now. I bet you the last seven years have been some of the most best years of my life. Yeah, I would agree. In the last, well, I'd say even the last 10 years. The last 10 I, years have been the most productive, the most happy, the best fulfilling years of my life. Yeah, it, it was the time that I left the oil field and things kind of started going sideways and wonky for everyone in that yep. industry that that's when you just all of a sudden reorientated your direct trajectory and took off. Yeah. I mean, and then I, and I broadened my horizon too. I mean, not just oil field from physical fitness to training, to music, to reading, writing, you mean to other business ventures I've had over the last couple of years too. So it's, it's, you mean you got to constantly reinvent yourself. Absolutely. Everyone, I'm so thankful that you were able to join in this week. My guest, Chris Humphreys, is always an inspiration. I look forward to sitting down again in future times talking about him. I'm really curious at what he's going to write on my obituary. It'll be interesting. Uh, Maybe we'll do it on the air. I'll bring it. And when I do it, we'll, I'll let you read it for the first time on air. Love it. So yeah. Just, just to see the reaction, just to hear the reaction. I love it. I'm absolutely thrilled to <laughs> check it out. A little nervous, but thrilled to see. So... Uh, this is whether you like it or not. Until then, this is Reese 7 signing out. Jennings. Stand by.